Life doesn't always go the way we expect. We pray to God, but sometimes it seems like God doesn't do what we've asked. We seek Him, but don't feel His presence. We go through pain, but our cries for relief seem to go unanswered. Sometimes our lives just don't make sense. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and uh, we're so glad that you chose to hang out with us today. Um, If you would, I'd like you to pull out this card. Uh, This is our Connect card, and uh, if you would... Um, I would invite you to go ahead and fill that out, uh, if you could do that now for me, and uh, we'll collect them later on in the celebration. Uh, We promise we won't uh, uh, knock on your door or anything like that, but just a way for us to uh, connect with you. And so uh, if you could do that, uh, that would be great. Well, today we're uh, concluding our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, to be quite honest, uh, this particular teaching... Uh, is not going to be real hilarious. Uh, there's, there aren't uh, any answers that are real easy for us to come to. There aren't any three practical steps uh, to happiness. And uh, so it's not the most fun teaching. In fact, I would say out of the three, uh, this is the least uh, fun of the three. So some of you are uh, sitting there right now, and you're like, great, I came to church today, you know, Uh, that's it. Um, But today we really want to kind of focus in on this topic of uh, whenever God (coughs) seems uncooperative. When we know that God can move, when we know that God can do something, and we pray about it, and nothing changes. He just doesn't do what we want. And so I just want you to know here on the front side that it's not going to be uh, real fun, uh, not a lot of kind of feel-good messages, but this is what I really believe is that this is where most of us live life and that if we can, if we can work through this, we'll learn how to depend on Him in those moments when life doesn't make sense. Now I want to begin by uh, just introducing the teaching by sharing a couple of stories uh, to kind of get us started. And um, several years ago, uh, my wife Jennifer and I were engaged, and uh, we uh, were engaged for about 18 months. And during this time, uh, she was a student in college, and I uh, was a rookie pastor. And we only got to see each other on weekends, and I was love-smitten. I mean, I was love struck. I mean, this woman just infatuated me. So when I got to Friday nights, um, I was ready to go see my sexy mama, you know, and uh, we were ready to uh, get to see each other because we hadn't seen each other all week. Well, I'll never forget this one particular Friday. Um, I was getting ready to travel two hours to go see her, and it had rained all week long to the point where there was flooding uh, in the uh, rural county uh, that I lived in, in Carroll County. And as this was going on on Friday, it was still raining, and there was some flooding, and you know, people were like, you, know, you should be really concerned, especially going down any country roads. 
And so I get in my famous 1980 Buick Skylark. I think we got a picture of it right there. And I take off in that, and I'm really excited because I know that the Skylark will get us through whatever we come up to. And so I'm traveling along on this country road when all of a sudden I see this uh, sign that comes up, high water, caution, high water, and uh, there's no high water, so I keep on driving, and then I hit a second sign that says the exact same thing, and at that point, I'm at a crossroad. I can either turn my car around and go back where I was at, and it'll take me 30 more minutes to go see uh, my beautiful future bride, or I can just go right through the water. Now, anyone want to take a guess what I did? Yeah, I went straight through the high water. I mean, I wanted to go see the love of my life. And this is what happened. I revved it up, vroom, vroom, and I start going. And I had this image in my mind of evil Knievel going over 15 cars, okay? The other image I had was like the Dukes of Hazard, you know, flying over. And so I rev it up and I go in. It was so high that it started coming in through the doors, the water did. I had to roll down the window, climb out of the window. Now I'm in water, freezing cold. I look down the road and I see a farm light on. So I go up to the farm uh, house. I, I knock on the door. There's a farmer there. And I said, hey, my car got stuck down there. He said, hey, boy, didn't you see that sign that said no or high water? Be cautious. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I did. And I didn't tell him, yeah, I went through it twice. But, you know. And he said, well, I got a tractor back here. I'll, I'll get you out. And so he goes and gets his tractor and he comes out hooks it on to my Buick Skylark, and he pulls it out. And I get ready to get back into the car, and he goes, boy, he goes, that car ain't going to start. And I don't know what I was thinking at this moment, but I went up to the hood of the car, and I put my hand on it. I've only been a pastor a year, but I'm thinking, I've read about this stuff. <laughs> and I put my hand on the car, and then for some reason, I put my other hand up in the air like there's some kind of, you know, electric thing coming down there. And I prayed for this. And it was like a half-hearted prayer. But I'm like, God, I know you raised the dead. And I know you could raise this car. So when I go in there, Lord, to start it, I want to see my bride start the car. So I go into the car. And I turn it in and turn the ignition and it started. Absolutely started. I'm in the car. Hallelujah. You know, praise the Lord. All of a sudden, I'm starting to think, I got the power. You know, <laughs> I got the power. You know, and, and I'm getting excited. And I'll never forget, the farmer was over there looking at me the whole time, like kind of shocked. And then it started. He's like, <laughs> you know, 
sorry if you guys didn't get to see that look. Okay. Um, and so uh, this happens, and, um, you know, I take off and everything. And that's all I'm saying. If you have some car issues, you might just want to come see me. Now, it doesn't necessarily work for all makes and models, but if it's a Buick, I got you, okay? That's the way it is. Um, now, here's the thing. That some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, dude, that was just coincidence. You know, I mean, it just happened. And you might be right. It might be that. This is all I know, is that I prayed for this dead thing to start, and it started. And I was like, wow, God, this is so amazing. You know, look, look what happened. Fast forward. A good friend of mine named uh, Kim uh, started coming to this church when uh, this divider was down. We only met on this side, and we only had uh, 70 people, 75 people, something like that. And uh, she grew closer to God. And uh, eventually she got baptized. I got to baptize her and her family. And uh, she just loved Jesus so much. She got in our small group. Uh, we uh, got to know her extremely well. And uh, our families have become very, very close. And uh, just a w- wonderful, wonderful woman. And um, two years ago, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. Just went in for a regular appointment, diagnosed for cancer, so much so that it was in the fourth stage, and they told her that she had six months left to live. And uh, she called me, and she said, hey, this is what happened. I said, Kim, we're going to pray. She's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. We're just going to pray. And we started praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And we prayed like no business. You know, we just prayed. She had hundreds of people praying for her. She did the chemo. She did the radiation. And then uh, one day uh, she goes back to the doctor. And the doctor's like looking at the screen. And Kim said, I, I didn't know what it was, but he's looking at it. And he's just like shocked like that farmer. like. And he, looked, she, he looks at this. He goes, the, the cancer's gone. There's nothing there. Yeah, praise God. And uh, so what was really cool about that was uh, she, one of the things she wanted was to see her oldest daughter married. And so I got to go officiate at her daughter's uh, wedding. And she was so excited. And uh, then another thing she wanted to do was she wanted to see her younger son get his driver's license. And uh, so he got his driver's license. They bought him a big red truck. You know, he's 16, 17-year-old, real excited. And uh, everything's going great. And she and her husband, relationship had never been better. And everything's going amazing. And uh, about a, a year after that, she went back to the doctor, and they found out that the cancer had come back. And uh, Kim and I again were like, hey, we're going to pray. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. We prayed just as hard as we did the first time. Hundreds of people were praying for her. And on Easter Sunday at 7.20 in the morning, I got a phone call from her daughter and said, Mom died. And uh, two weeks ago, 
I buried my friend Tim. You know, folks, sometimes God just doesn't make sense. I have a feeling, though, I'm not the only one who's sitting here right now that's had a story like this. I bet there are multiple people here, maybe every single person here, who's prayed for something really, really hard, and you believe God could do it, you know God could do it, you've seen God do it in other people, but He didn't do it for you. You're praying for your marriage, and you're like, God, God, please help my marriage, and it just seems like that person gets further and further away. You're praying for pain that you've had, chronic pain to go away and it doesn't go away. You're praying for a job and it doesn't go away. Here's the thing that doesn't make sense to me on this one, folks. Is why is it God answers the prayer of an idiot who goes through high water and then there's a prayer for my friend to be healed. And he doesn't answer. It just doesn't make sense. Why is it sometimes you go to Walmart, you're like frustrated, you're like, I can't find a parking spot, and he gives you a parking spot, but you've been battling migraines or depression or anxiety for a lot of your life, and he doesn't answer. Whatever it is, there's some category in our life in which we've experienced this, God, I believe you can do this. I know you can do this. I've seen you doing this. I'm praying for it. And yet, God doesn't. Folks, why is it that sometimes God seems uncooperative? Why is it that you can be a follower of Jesus and you're following him and you believe that God could answer a prayer and he just doesn't do it? Well, today I want to talk about a specific story about a guy by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And Paul experienced kind of this thing of his prayer not being answered the way that he wanted. I want to talk about from his story, a specific story, three kind of things to remember about prayer when God doesn't make sense. Here's the first thing. This is your first fill-in. You can fill it in the program or you can put it on your JAR app. Uh, there's a place on our app you can do that. And it's this. We need to recognize that true prayer isn't about getting our way, but it's often about surrendering our will. It's not about getting God to do what we want God to do for us. It's often about surrendering our will to what God actually wants. I find it very interesting that when Jesus was teaching his uh, disciples how to pray and he said hey i'm going to teach you how to pray too this is how i want you to do it part of the prayer you might remember in the lord's prayer is that your kingdom come what's the next part your will your will your will be done on earth as it is in heaven another time jesus uh it's the night before he goes to the cross and He's in a garden and he's kneeled down and he's praying and he knows the agonizing struggle that he's going to go through. His body's going to be butchered like an animal. And he's there and he's like, God, 
I just want you to know if there's any other way you can do this differently, that's what I prefer. But your will, not mine, be done. Now, Paul, this guy that we're going to talk about, he actually discovered this in his own life. But before we jump into his story, what I want to do is give you a little background of who Paul is. Because some of you, um, maybe you've never heard of Paul or you're here for the first time. Uh, First of all, what you need to know is that uh, before he became a Christ follower, he hated Christians. I mean, he just hated Christians. In fact, some of you, maybe uh, at some point in your life, you hated Christians. Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're like, I hate you, Chris, right now, you know? Well, I just want you to know that if you hate me, Paul would have hated me more, okay? So don't think you were the one. He would have hated me even more. And he killed Christians. He just despised them. And then one day he's walking down the road, uh, and all of a sudden this, this light comes from heaven, and he meets Christ, and his whole world turns around, and he turns from one who is killing Christians to being one of the most effective Christ followers in the history of the world. Like I said earlier, he wrote over half of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. He spent 20 years uh, on ships going to different places to start churches to spread the good news of Jesus. Uh, This guy had an amazing, bold faith. He had visions. He actually helped to raise people from the dead through Christ's power. But... He paid an incredibly high price for his faith. Paul was stoned for his faith. He was stoned. Now, I'm not talking recreationally speaking, okay? Some of you right now are not like you're like, oh, dude, that's okay. We don't live in Colorado or on the West Coast, okay? Okay, we're still in Indiana. It's not legal. All right. I mean, when I say that he was stoned, they actually, they would pick up rocks, and they would put him there, and they would throw rocks until he actually would fall. And one time, they threw rocks so much so that they thought they had killed him, and yet somehow he survived. He was shipwrecked, he was snake-bitten, he was beaten with a rod, left for dead. Five different times, they whipped him, 39 lashes on his back five times. So multiply that five times 39. And they whipped him so much that they knew that if they whipped him one more time, he probably would die and they'd be charged with murder. So they they wouldn't do that. But I was thinking about it. Just think about what his back must have looked like if you had been whipped 39 times five different times. And I bet by the time you get to the third or fourth time, your back is nothing but just stripped. And you're like, okay, here we go again. He was put in prison over and over again. This guy endured more, folks, than we can even imagine. And so you got to ask the question, well, what was his reward? I mean, if he was that faithful to God, like what did he receive? Now, I was thinking about it. If I was God and Paul came in front of me and said, hey, you know, this is what I've done. And I'd be like, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like the treasure's open. The treasure chest is open. What do you want? Anything you want, you can have. And your retirement years, Paul, don't worry about it. You know, you're going to be in Hawaii. You're going to be sipping on some, you know, 
drinks, you're going to take it easy, good retirement plan, everything's good. But then comes our story today, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, this is what his reward is. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Say, what? Like he just did all of this? For you, God. (laughs) And God not only allows it, but he uses it. He says, Satan, go ahead, you you can torment me. Now, what's the thorn? What's the thorn in his flesh? Well, scholars have had many different interpretations of this scripture in particular. But one of the interesting things is that the Greek word, which the New Testament was written in, it was written in the language of Greek, the, the word thorn is actually can also be translated steak. Now, some of you are getting hungry. I'm not talking about that kind of steak, okay? Not S-T-A-K. I'm talking about S-T-A-K-E. So, like, you're, you're burned at the stake. There, there was this concept that they would take a stake and they would put it through a person from the top of their head all the way down and they would be killed on the stake. And so that's where this word kind of has its meaning. So there's this agonizing, kind of like a stake going through your body that he's experiencing. And Paul said, this thing is tormenting me. And people have wondered for years, what is it? Again, we're not sure exactly what it is. There are different uh, scholars that look at it differently, but most scholars believe that it was some type of physical ailment, that he had epilepsy or malaria or he had bad sight or a speech impediment or headaches. Whatever it was, though, he says, this was given to me. God allowed it to happen to me. And God is going to use it to keep me from being conceited. Today, many of you have some kind of thorn in your flesh. There's some challenge, there's some difficulty, there's something that you do not want, and yet you're going through it right now. Some of you might be sitting there right now and go, and you're going, my thorn is a person. Well, if that person's sitting beside you, don't point at them, okay? That's rude, okay? Don't do that. But some of you, it is a person. Maybe it's a boss. You have a difficult, difficult boss, or, or, or maybe it's people that you manage, or maybe it's a coworker. It's somebody who's a thorn in your flesh. Maybe it's a family member, somebody who just drives you crazy. They're always creating chaos in the family. Some of you, it's a health issue just like it was for Paul. And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you believed that it would go away and it hasn't. For some of you this morning, it's depression. You battled depression and you battled it and you battled it. And you've tried everything. You've tried to go to doctors. You've done counseling. And you still feel depressed. Some of you, it's anxiety. You feel anxious all the time. Your spirit. You've tried different things, but just in your spirit, you feel anxious. For some of you, it's sleep. You don't sleep anymore, and it's just weighing you down. For some of you, it's a transportation issue. You're like, God, if you could just 
get me a reliable vehicle. I'll come to church. I'll I'll be able to go to work, whatever it is. But you're looking and saying, God, would you please change this for me? And God isn't changing it. Folks, we need to remember that prayer is not about getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will to God. Here's the second thing to remember about prayer when God doesn't make sense, when he's uncooperative. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. Prayer reminds us that, hey, I'm not in control, but it keeps me close to the one who is. I'm not the Lord of my life. I'm not in control. I'm not the king of the hill. Prayer reminds me that I'm not in control, but it keeps me close to the one who is. Now, this thorn actually helped Paul to stay close to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 8, it says this. Three times I did what? Somebody say it out loud. Three times I did what? What is it? Yeah, I pleaded. I begged. I prayed. God, God, God. Please take this from me. Now, when Paul said three times I pleaded, it wasn't a prayer like this. Eat my breakfast. Hey, God, I'd really like you to take this away. Go to work. Get ready for lunch. Eat my sandwich. God, I'd really like you to take this away. Go work a little more. Drive back home to the family eat our dinner. Hey, God, I'd like you to take this away. I prayed three times, getting ready to go to bed. We're on the countdown, God. We got two minutes and I'm out. Are you going to answer my prayer? No, 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 no. When he says three times, folks, he's not talking about three times. He's talking about three seasons of prayer. Three intentional Focused seasons of prayer. Now, some of you, quite honestly, are in a season. And you're praying for something. For me, I was sharing the last couple of weeks about my brother Tim. And there have been three seasons I was thinking about, and we're in the third season right now, but the first season of prayer was when he was estranged from our family for for seven years, and my mom and my dad, who, by the way, they celebrated 61 years of marriage yesterday. Isn't that cool? Anyway, so... I'm sure 61 years ago, when they first got married, they didn't think, oh, this is all I'm going to have to deal with. And I'm not just talking about me, you know. But for seven years, my brother was estranged for our family, and so my mom and my dad and myself, we, we prayed and we prayed. And finally, my dad and I got to a point where we prayed a very dangerous prayer. And don't pray this unless you really believe it, like, Sometimes people say, oh, I'll pray that. No, 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 don't pray this unless you really believe it. But we finally prayed. We said, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And then my dad got a phone call 
that my brother was in a car accident, didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And we go to the hospital bed. And we get reconciled with my brother for a season. He answered our prayer. Think about another time that Tim was really battling drug addiction. We uh, got him into a rehab place. Everything was going better. And uh, he was actually sober for a year. I still remember as a family, we got like this big cake. One year of sobriety. Everybody comes around. You know, we're all celebrating. It was like the best year I can remember with my brother. It was actually like he, w- he was who God created him to be. And it did not. And so now we're in another season. We're praying now that God, we want you to bring him to you. We've done all we can do, God. But we're still praying. And we're believing you can do something that only you can do. And that it would come back to our family. Like I said, some of you, you're in a season right now. You're begging, you're pleading, God, please save my parents' marriage. God, please help with my wayward child. God, please, this physical ailment that I'm going through, please bring healing to it. God, financially, we're struggling in this area. God, please come and help us. God, I need a job so bad. God, just give me a job, please. Come and help me. Whatever it is, you're begging, you're praying, you're pleading. And this is exactly what Paul is doing. God, please, please come to me. I'm seeking you. Please please take this away from me. God, I've seen you do it in other people's lives. I've seen you do it. I've prayed for other people. Please do it for me. Now again, if I'm God, and Paul comes up to me and says, uh, five times I was whipped 39 times. Uh, I was also stoned to death. Uh, almost died, God. You remember that day? And came back. Thanks for doing that. But, you know, this is what I'm doing for you. Again, if he comes up to me, you know what I'm saying? Hey, paycheck next week, 50% increase. Okay? We're going to give you some shares of the company. You're, you're, you're going to sit by me. We're, we're going we're gonna to take care of you, Paul. And think about it. God had already done so many things in his life. He had answered so many prayers. I mean, count the number of times he prays to God and he has a vision or he does a miracle or he brings someone back from the dead. And of course, God is doing all of this through Paul. And so Paul begs God and says, please do this for me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says this. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God, please, 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 just do this one more thing. And I could serve you so much more effectively. If I didn't have this thorn in my flesh, God, we could start more churches. We could do more things. God, just take this away. And God says, no, no. Not this particular time, Paul. I'm enough. My grace is enough. It is sufficient for you. What does that even mean? 
My grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Isn't grace that thing, bunch you've been teaching about, like, that brings us forgiveness of all of our sins? Like, it means that there's nothing you can do to make you love me more, and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. I just love you, that I accept you as is, that you are the apple of my eye, I take care of you. God, that's what grace means, right? It means that all my sins are forgiven. I don't have to earn it. It's just a free gift. Well, it's true. That's exactly what grace is. But what I want to tell you this morning is that it's so much more than that. It actually is expanded even beyond that. In fact, the word that's translated grace here is the Greek word kadas. Kadas. It's used 155 times in the New Testament. And it means undeserved favor. It means grace. But it means so much more than that. I was looking at a quote from a theologian this week, and this is what the scholar pictured grace as. He said, grace is when God freely extends himself, leaning and reaching to us because he is disposed to bless us and be near us. I'm going to say this again because I want you to imagine that this is what grace is. It's when God freely extends himself. He, he reaches out to us. Why? Because he is disposed to bless us and be near us. It's this leaning in. It's where, it's where God leans down at us. And he's like, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You're walking down and you're so... You're so overwhelmed, and he's like, I'm right here by your side. I'm for you. It's this leaning in process of God. And God says, I'm leaning down into you. But in this particular thing, Paul, no. I'm not going to answer your prayer. God says, No, this is not what you need. I'm what you need. What you want is not what you need. I am what you need. It's this leaning in. It's like, I could do this. I absolutely could. I've done it for other people. I might do it for you in the future. But in this particular case... You're going to experience something that you would never experience before had you got it answered the way you want. So I'm leaning in. It's the presence of God. You ever see people go through something just so horrendous and you're like, how did you make it through? And they're like, I don't know, it was a special gift of grace from God. Some of you have stories like this. Sometimes I look out here and I see your story. And I'm like, how are you surviving? And then you keep coming back each Sunday, each Sunday, each Sunday. And I see you growing. And it's because there's a special gift of grace. Now, I've been thinking about how to explain this concept of God leaning in, reaching down to us. And 
what I'm going to share with you, honestly, it's not perfect. It breaks down in multiple different places, but it's the best I got, okay? It's about all I got, and it's this. My youngest daughter, uh, Shiloh, when she was a toddler, she hated going to the doctor to get shots, okay? Now, I don't know any kid that goes, hey, I'm ready to go get some shots. What's up, you know? But, I mean, this kid just, she was petrified of ever getting a shot. Now, typically, most of the time, my wife Jennifer and I both would go when she would get her shots. And when she was getting ready to get her shots, Shiloh would be crying and crying and crying. And then I would start crying and crying and crying. And then Jen started mothering both of us right there in the doctor's office. You know what I mean? Like, that was it. Well, one particular night... Uh, I knew that the doctor's appointment was the next morning, so I assumed that we were both going to go. And Jen uh, said, uh, hey, I got something going on. I'm going to need you to take uh, Shiloh to the doctor tomorrow. You're on your own, bud. I'm thinking, are you serious? It's supposed to be a partnership here, tag team. Nope. So that night, I put Shiloh to bed, and I cuddle with her, and she's crying. She's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. I don't want to take the shot tomorrow. And I said, I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be with you the whole time, Shiloh. And uh, I finally got her to sleep, and I went to bed. And then I got up the next morning, and I had to get her up. And so I get her up, and I'm like, hey, Shy. And she's like, Daddy, I still have to take the shot. You're not going to make me take the shot. Just, just please, Daddy, don't, don't let me take the shot. And I'm like, honey, we have to do the shot. But, Daddy, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And I remember just kind of like rubbing her head and her tears just kind of flowing down. And I said, well, let's get ready. And so I get her all ready. And all of a sudden, I, I feel this, you know, this kid on my leg. And I'm like, you want me to carry you downstairs? Yeah, Daddy. Yeah, Daddy. And so I pick her up and carry her downstairs and then I get ready to put her in her little her little chair for breakfast and she gets off the chair and she sits right on my lap and we're like eating breakfast together you know she doesn't want to leave and then I'd take her and I'd put her in our suburban put her in the car seat and I remember I still remember she she took her hand she locked him and she put him around my neck and she's like daddy daddy are you gonna be there and I said, I'll be there the whole time, Shy. I'll be there. I'll be there. So we get to the doctor's office, and we walk into, and we check in, and she's still on my hip, and we sit down, and she's crying. I'm like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I love you. I love you. You're my special girl. You can do this. I'll be here for you. And we finally get back to the waiting room, and the doctor comes in. And he actually attends here at the JAR. He was in the first celebration, but I'm not going to let him off too easy just because he's not here right now. <laughs> so he can tell that my wife isn't here. And you would think there would be some support, like, hey, I'm going to be right here with you. And immediately, once she starts going, <laughs> it's coming out. He walks out of, the, out of the room. There's some doctors I don't like. And so finally the nurse comes in and the nurse is getting ready, you know, to give the shot. And, and there was this table and, you know, you put your kid on the table. And now, you know, like back in the day with us, you just 
got right in the hip, right in the old butt, you know, just right there. But now, you know, I, I guess they do it in the in your legs, in your thigh. And so she's laying down there. And again, I remember her grabbing her hands like that. And I remember looking down at her and going, I'm here, I'm here. And you know what? That's what God does for us. There's sometimes when we're asking God, we're pleading with God, we're asking Him to move. Take this away. I don't want this shot. I don't want this. God, take this thorn from my flesh. And God says, no. But I want you to know that I'm here. I'm here. I I don't walk away ever. You know, the reality is, folks, that God could do that. Whatever that thing is that you're asking for, He could do it. He could. But sometimes He says, in this particular case, I want you to experience something that you've never experienced before. My grace is sufficient for you. And you know, that's what's so difficult about God sometimes. Because God is like, I could do this. I really could. I've done it before. But in this particular case, I want my grace to be enough for you. Folks, we need to recognize that prayer is not just about getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will. And that it's not about us. I don't know if you knew this or not. Every eye up here just for a second. God does not exist to serve you. He's much bigger than that. Do you recognize this? That God is not here to serve us. We're here to serve Him, to glorify Him, to lift Him up. But sometimes in our American culture, this is what happens. God, if you don't do this for me, I'm out. Who do you think you are? When did you become God? We're here to serve and glorify Him, not the other way around. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it keeps us close to the one who is. Last thing. Prayer isn't just asking, but it's trusting. Prayer isn't just asking, but it's trusting. It's not just asking for what I want, but it's trusting that maybe God actually has something better for you than what you know, that he has something that is the best for you. Prayer is asking. I don't want to say that. All day long, we need to ask. When Kim came to me with cancer for the first time, 
She said, we're going to ask God, right, to bring healing. Absolutely. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. We still believe that God heals. I still believe that he does miracles. We still believe that he can provide for any of your needs. We ask and we trust. We ask and we trust. We ask and we trust. Jesus' own brother, a guy by the name of James, wrote a book in the Bible in the second half. And in chapter 4, this is what he says. You have not because you what? What's it say? You ask not. So we're going to keep on asking. We're going to keep on asking. We're going to believe for miracles. But there are going to be times in which God says no. Not in this case. No. My grace is sufficient for you. Well, this is what actually ended up happening to Paul. Several years later, after he'd received this thorn in his flesh, he had a very different perspective because he had experienced it. And he says, well, you know, this one thing, it's tormented me, but God actually used it to keep me from being conceited. And then in verse 9 and 10, he says this, but hey, because of this, now my perspective, it's changed. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, that's why for Christ's sake, I do what? What's he say? I what? In what? Whoa! I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in my insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulty. Why? Because when I am weak, I am what? You're strong. Paul's like, I would have never chosen this. But this has brought me closer to God. It's those times when I can't do anything but depend upon Him that I'm closest to God. You know what I've found? I've had some successes in my life. Many of you have had more than me. Some of you have had less. But this is what I've found in my successes. Rarely do successes ever get me closer to God. <laughs> have you noticed that? You know what gets me closer to God? When I can't do anything but depend upon Him because that's exactly where He wants me to be all the time. When I was weak, I experienced His power. So I delight in insults. I delight in persecutions. Folks, Paul's perspective changed over time because he realized that when he was weak, when he was down and out, that is when God came closest to him. You ever hear people say this before? Time heals all wounds. You ever hear that before? Kind of true. But I've known some people who were hurt 30 years ago. And they're some of the most bitter, angry, ticked people off that I have seen. Don't you know some people like that? All right, don't point at them. Don't amen them. I mean, don't. You know that word amen means so be it. So we don't want like, you know. But time, this is the thing, folks. Time doesn't heal all wounds, but time with God's presence heals all wounds. 
It's God's presence that brings healing. One of the last times that I visited Ken was in the hospital. And we were just sitting, she and I, and she said, You know, Chris, I would have never, ever asked for this cancer. I hate it now. I never would want it. I would never want it for my worst enemy. But this cancer has brought me so much closer to God. And she said, maybe God's going to do another miracle. He, he did it once. Maybe he will. But maybe I'll die. And then she said this. Either way, I'm good. I want you to know, I don't like it that God didn't heal my friend. She was 44 years old. I don't like it that my brother is estranged from our family. I don't like some of the things that are happening in my life right now. I don't like it. I mean, I've seen God do miracles in other people's lives. I've seen him reconcile families. I've seen him change things in my own life. I mean, the truth is that there are things that have been changed, but I truly believe, because I've lived long enough, I truly believe that whatever it is I'm going through right now, one day down the road, I'll look back on what I'm dealing with right now and I'll go, oh, God. Now I see it. Now I understand it. I, I didn't understand it way back there, God, but now I totally get it. And so, for you today, There are some things that you don't like. I get it. I do. But I truly believe that there will be a day when you will look back on what your season is right now and you will be able to say, Oh, God, now I get it. I didn't see it then, but I do now. There's times been in my marriage where Jen and I were going through a really hard season. It's like, oh, I can't stand that woman. And she looks at me and she's like, you don't think that. I can't stand you. And we pray about it and discern. And then we look back and we're like, wow. Wow, God. Had we not gone through that, would have never been able to go through what we're going through right now. 
Folks, true prayer is not getting our way, but it's surrendering our will. It's when you say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's when you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, here's what I want. I want my will. Here it is, but God, I give it to you. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but it brings us closer to the one who is. And regardless of what your thorn is, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. He may answer it, but even more important than just asking is trusting that he knows what's best. And I pray for some of you, whatever it is you're going through right now, and I know some of you are, that one day you'll look back and you'll go, oh God, now I see it. Because even when life isn't good, God is good because God is always good. Let's pray. Again, I realize that some of you right now, you're going through some painful stuff. There's a thorn in your flesh, some situation, something that's going on. So if you're going through something really challenging right now, Would you just in a moment of honesty, every eyes closed, head down, but just in a moment of honesty, just raise your hand and say, man, I've got a thorn I'm dealing with right now. It's me, God. It's not the person beside me. It's me. I'm going through this thing. Father, I know you know every detail. And I pray right now for each hand that is raised, God, that you would meet that situation that you would bring healing and restoration, God, that you would provide a miracle for people who are looking for that, for people who are struggling financially, people who are struggling with the loss of a loved one, God, that you would comfort them, that that just like with Shiloh, you, you would reach down to them as your grace does and say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. God, we realize that your ways, though, are higher than our ways, different from our ways. And so it is in these times, God, in which... When we don't know why it is you don't do what we want us we want you to do, we pray, God, that in those moments that we would still trust in you. That your presence, God, would lean in and touch us. And I pray that a decade from now we could look back and we could see what you have done. And put your hands down. just continuing to pray I just want to talk about this thing called grace grace is exactly what Paul received you see Paul thought it was all about religion and when Jesus came into his life he realized it was about a relationship Paul actually thought it was all about being a performance driven person but then he realized it was about the perfection of Christ himself And grace changed his life. Grace actually changed my life. 26, I'm at a retreat center. I'm thinking there's some things in my life, God, you would never forgive me for. And God reached down in his grace. He said, Chris, I love you. There's nothing you can do that makes me love you less. There's nothing you can do that makes me love you more. I love you, Chris, as is. And today, some of you are going to receive God's grace. 
you look at your life and you say, well, I'm not good enough. None of us are. You say, well, I'm at a really, really low place. That's exactly where God likes to meet us. I'll take you as is. I'll do more in your life than what you could ever do. Just turn to me. Receive my grace. And so today, if you're ready to say, I need God's grace. I need his promise. I need his forgiveness. Jesus, you be first in my life. You be the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. If you're ready to receive his grace today, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And it's a prayer that we pray all together because no one here at the jar prays alone. And so just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Now you have mine. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for a first time, let's give them a hand. And uh, welcome to the kingdom of God. Good morning. If you did say that prayer for the first time, then we're so excited. And we want to come alongside you. And we want to celebrate that with you. And we want to give you a gift and a Bible. And so if you did say that for the first time, first of all, take that Connect card out that Chris was talking about uh, earlier. And on the back, there's a little checkbox. And you can put that you accepted Christ uh, for the first time today so that we can connect with you. The other thing is I want you to go back to the um, back corner at our Accepted Christ table. Scotty's waiting there for you. And she would love to just connect with you and, again, give you a Bible and a small gift to say that we're so excited and we want to be able to start that journey with you. Um, take that Connect card out that Chris was talking about earlier. Make sure that you filled out the front. And then if there's anything that you want us to pray for this week, you can put that on the back. And in a moment, I'm going to have the greeters come forward and... Then we're going to receive an offering, and you can put that um, Connect card in that bag um, as that bag comes by. So go ahead and come on up, greeters. Um, Right now we are going to go ahead and receive an offering at the jar. We are just really excited that you're here, and we want to get to know you, especially if you're new. Please don't feel any pressure to give. Um, But if you you call the jar your church home and God's leading you, um, we just ask that you would give freely what he puts on your heart um, because he has given so freely to us. Uh, Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this day and this opportunity that you've given us to join together, to become closer to you, to learn more about you, and to um, really experience what you have um, given us in your grace. And so we thank you for the teaching. We thank you for um, speaking to our hearts and sending your Holy Spirit to be here. God, we just ask that you would bless this offering, that you would multiply it, that you would give us wisdom to know how to use it to best serve others to impact them in your name. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you are relatively new to the jar or it's your first Sunday, um, we are so excited that you're here. And if you've not had a chance to do this yet, we invite you to stop by the guest connection table back there. Becky's waving. Stop by and say hi to her. We have a free gift for you. We would just like to be able to give that to you. No strings attached to say that we're glad that you're here. There's always a lot of things happening at the jar. And if you've had not had a chance to download the app, Please do that. You can find out information about um, the church uh, through the app, but you can also look through your program. And if you have any questions about anything, you can always stop by our resource table as well. 
So I'm just going to highlight a couple of things that are going on. First of all, this coming week on Wednesday at the JAR office from 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to have something called Prayer Circle. At the JAR, we don't want to be just a church that prays, but we want to be like a praying church. We want everything to be really bathed in prayer. And every ministry that we're involved in, we just really want to circle that in prayer. So we have something called the Prayer Circle, and there'll be some... Uh, worship and some prayer and some fellowship with other people and it's an hour on Wednesday night and so we just really encourage you to come to the JAR office to be a part of that on this coming Wednesday. The other thing I want to highlight is that we're having a golf outing so if you're like me and you really don't have any golf skills or if you're like I don't know what's that guy's name that just won the Masters? Nobody even knows. See it doesn't matter. Like, you can just totally come, even if you're an expert or you don't know. Um, You come on the 19th of May, and it will be super fun. It's at 9 o'clock in the morning, $50 per person. All the proceeds go to the Jamaica Mission Team, so it's for a fantastic cause. If you have a foursome, you guys can come together, but if you don't, they will connect you with the foursome. And if you didn't even know that you have to have a foursome for golf, it's okay um, it, you're going to have so much fun, and that $50 includes the morning of golf as well as a meal and a drink. So it's going to be a really great time. Um, sign up on the app or ask someone at the resource table, and um, we will connect you with that golf outing. It'll be a really good time. All right. Um, if you need anything uh, in your life this week, you want the prayer team to pray for you, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up now. Um, These people would be more than happy to pray with you. So if at the conclusion of the celebration you would like to talk to them about something special that's going on in your life um, that they can lift up just right now, please come see them. They're on um, underneath each screen here. So um, we're just glad that you're here with us, and um, we thank you for joining us this morning.